This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Youth Baseball Talk. Only on lineupmedia.fm. Now your host, Jim Cromer. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Youth Baseball Talk, brought to you by The Rope Trainer. As John Smoltz says, everyone should have one, from big leaguers to little leaguers. Make sure you check out theropetrainer.com today. Uh, very happy to be bringing you The Rope Report each week from Dirtbag Baseball Nation. Your friend and ours, Kirk McNabb, does a great job of letting you know just how to use The Rope Trainer, what it can do for you, its wonderful uses, of course, that I get so many questions about. So uh, The Rope Trainer and the great gang over there, Chris Verna, Earl Perrin, uh, John Smoltz, have employed Kurt McNabb to do the uh, to do the deed of sharing that information with you each and every week as it's a question that I you know that I was getting more and more so we had a need for it and again special thanks of course to the ropetrainer.com uh, let me welcome in my partner in crime Spiker Helms what's going on bud college world series is coming to an end and the MLB all-star game is about to start up so it's gonna be it's gonna be fantastic yeah well you got that smile like you can tell the guys that played baseball at a high level at college where that's a real, you know, not that it's not realistic, but, you know, a lot of dreams, a lot of passion. But, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a pretty good crop of teams that every year go into a realistic opportunity to make it to the College World Series. And you can tell those guys that fever that it brings along. But what I really enjoy is the youth tournaments that are going on, the mm-hmm. kids that get to go and experience. I think it's an unbelievable experience for everybody. And if you get that chance, again, it's the, pure joy of the game it's the student athlete it's everything that this thing embodies that we're trying to talk about and just uh again if you if you get that take it it's a great opportunity the months of june and july are just the best months of baseball because you're in the thick of it it's the dog days of summer but you uh you have the college world series you have the mlb and then you have the youth tournaments everyone's traveling high school's traveling um summer baseball uh, and it's just the discussions that happen at the ballparks are it it goes left goes right goes center it's awesome it's 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 you know if you're if you're a basketball person it's like march madness only it's 2 months long and it's you're right it is the dog days of summer but that's what gets us through and you, so and you get people from jumping from conversation so you'll be talking about it and then someone's like oh no that team's not that good and then oh, yeah, those it's are great. good those are yeah. real good but no it's it is it's a great time and again i love the the whole college world series i mean Again, the the players sprinting on and off the field, hustling down the line, the things that we take for granted and that we see go away, fortunately or unfortunately, however you want to look at it, at the major league level. It's just it's an amazing thing. Spiker, I can picture you in your Missouri State uniform, <laughs> you know, running, sprinting to your position, being the first one off the field, the first one out to your position. I guarantee you were that guy. Am I wrong? I was. I was. I. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the game. I, I absolutely loved it. I could. I could tell the story you told in our last episode with Stone about why Coach Gettin recruited you. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't because you got four hits. It was. It was just a pure hustle play. Yeah. And he knew you could play, but when he saw that, he knew you had what it took to play at that high level. So great stuff. And again, um, I'm looking forward to having Coach Gutton on here one of these days. As you know, he has said that you know when the time is available, he'll definitely do it for us. So mm-hmm. I'm excited about it as well. Um, I um, you know, I I I appreciate everybody so much. Last week's episode with Justin. And what he brings to the game, I just hope everybody. I mean, I've got we've gotten a lot of great comments. I hope everybody understands what a resource you have in Justin Stone. Make sure you check out EliteBaseball.tv. I know I bring that up here a lot. 
Um, you know, I, I want people to know this too. I don't get one dime from Justin, not a dime. I believe in it that much that he is just a contributing portion of this show. So I hope everybody understands that I am and you as well. You're it's not an I anymore. It's a we. I'm sorry. I still do that sometimes. We, you know, like in the Top Gun, we. Yeah. yeah. Um, so fortunate to have him and all the guys that are a part of this. It's just I. It's it's just great stuff. Um, I want to remind everybody that youthbaseballtalk.com is where you'll find us and all these great episodes that we're telling you about with all the great contributors, um, some of the content, the videos that you'll see. Make sure you check it out, youthbaseballtalk.com. It's where you'll find the current episode. You can go listen to back episodes. You'll be able to access the rope report and see the audio uh, to go along with, or, or to see the visual that goes along with the audio from the rope report is on our website as well. Uh, Kurt McNabb does a great job of narrating and, and showing you how to use the rope trainer. It's a great, great thing that we've added, and we hope you guys enjoy it. What I really like is how you guys like to listen to some of the back episodes, kind of like a Netflix thing. I really enjoy seeing how many downloads we have of shows that we did two years ago, a year ago. It it tells us that people are finding us. They're listening to the current shows going, I really like that. I'm going to go back and listen to some more. tells us we're doing the right thing. Uh, so youthbaseballtalk.com is, is where you'll do that. You can also subscribe there. Just click subscribe to the podcast. It's absolutely free. It's a way to stay in tune with what we're doing. Social media has played a big role in the growth of our show. Um, you know, I don't know too many people that are better at it than Spiker and what he does, both for his tourney guy and, and some of the other stuff that he's involved in. But it's made a big difference as far as the growth goes with our show. So please follow us on Twitter. We are at Podcast Baseball. And on Facebook, we'd love you to like our page. Just simply type in Youth Baseball Talk and you'll find us. Uh, the best way you can help us, whenever you see us post the show, if you would just share it in an effort to reach all of your friends and family that are involved in this game of, of youth baseball, it would really help us out a lot. Uh, of course, everybody here at lineupmedia.fm make this show what it is each and every week. It makes us sound good, puts it together with the editing, and adds in all the segments. It's a, it's a, it's a labor of love for these guys. They do a great job. They are the fastest-growing podcast company on the planet as well. If you're into podcasting, which we obviously know you are, I promise you you'll find another show on there that'll tickle your entertainment fancy bone. So, um, again, I, uh, I, I really do appreciate everybody at lineupmedia.fm, these great studios and all the, the great equipment that we get to use make us sound like we are borderline professional, Spiker. It's pretty good stuff. Absolutely awesome. Um, been looking forward to doing this show with you. Um, a couple weeks ago, I did a show, um, and I know that you had listened to it and you brought it up to me. Um, my first tournament as a full-blown parent in the stands. Now, I went through the high school season as a parent which was different, which I had kind of experienced with my older son. But even then, I was still coaching. So I still had that feel like I, even when I sat in the stands, I kind of felt like a coach, right? Well, my first tournament with Logan, um, being that he was now a, a 15-year-old freshman in high school or going to be a sophomore. He's in between that freshman and sophomore year. So it was the first year that he played baseball in a tournament, especially in a good one, where I just sat in the stands. And I made some observations of things that I saw that I feel like are things that um, – we can help parents with if they want to be helped. See, there's the key. There's the first thing. You got to want to try to do the right thing. Um, you know, I've said this before, and I'll say this again. If you at any time are listening to this show, and the first thought that is in your mind is, you're not going to tell me what I'm going to do with my kid, well, then just turn us off. Just turn it off, because I don't even know why you're listening. I'm, I'm just being completely honest. It's not that we don't want people to listen, but you cannot have that attitude, and you definitely cannot have it if... You entrust your son 
to one of these programs, whether it be the Rawlings Tigers with Spiker, whether it's the St. Louis Pirates with Rick, whether it's Elite Baseball with Justin Stone. I don't care who it is. If you're going to entrust your son, especially at that age or any age, to these people, then let them do what it is you've entrusted them to do. It blows my mind when I see people and say, see them and, and hear them say the things they say in the stands. I often wonder, why are you here? I want to say that, but I don't. I want to go, why are you here? It, it blows my mind. So, again, I brought up some of my observations. Spiker listened to him, and um, one of the things that I touched on that I know Spiker would, wants to talk a little bit about today, and I said on that show that there would be a follow-up because I, you know, I, because of scheduling and with it being summer, I just I had to do a show by myself. But I really wanted Spiker's thoughts on this because he was a not only a very good player, but he had parents just like everybody else when he was this good player. It was obvious he was a quote-unquote next-level player, so he had parents that knew that too. They weren't dumb. Um, went through the recruiting process, went through it all played at a high level. Now he runs a unbelievably great organization that is so well organized, so well done from top to bottom that deals with, I mean, we I'll get the number from him, how many kids are involved in the program that he's involved with. But so then take that times a minimum of two and then that's your parents. I mean, some, and what I mean by that is like my own personal situation with older son, you got two sets of parents because you know, he's got, I'm his stepdad, yep. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So yep. that's the minimum you probably have. Right. So, yep. I wanted to get his thoughts on, you know, what do you do as an organization? So, um, again, the, the big part of what I talked about that he wanted to talk about was the coaching from the stands um, and the whole thing in general. So, Spiker, you want to start off with some of your just generalized thoughts about the observations and the actions of parents in the stands at their kids' games? Yeah, so I'm, one thing that I, I like to do, uh, because I'm a director, I'm also a coach. Um, that's why I wasn't um, on the last episode, because I was traveling with one of our teams. Come on now. you got to be better than that. I know. No, I'm just you got to be in two places hustle. at once. i got to hustle, man. That, you know the problem with that? If you could be in two places at once, then it would be three. Then uh, it would be four. Before, and there's yeah. just not enough spikers no, to go around. No. Right, so go but anyways, I, I like to sit in the stands, and I, I, do, I do the recruiting videos and everything like that, so I'll do the videos. But one thing that I love doing is just trying to listen to what the fans say because it really gives context of like what what's going on with the team and fans are going to be fans you're gonna you're gonna doubt the coach i mean that's just normal when you go to cardinals baseball you're like what's mike doing why 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 is he why is he warming up that guy so you're going to do the same thing with the coach even though that you guys are buddy buddy off the field um you're going to question the the calls which i'm perfectly fine with like that's just the nature of the game that's human nature but when it comes to when it comes to how you're managing the players and playing time, um, there's a fine line there. Um, well, Billy doesn't play shortstop. Well, I, I understand Billy doesn't play shortstop, but I think he has shortstop ability. Um, so we're going to put him there, and I think the scouts are going to like him. And then if you doubt that, that's where it gets into huge question because I because our coaches or um, if you're if you're if you're paying for a team and you you're paying the coach, he has an experience level that is um, far beyond um, the parents' experience level because he's gone to play college baseball, professional baseball. Um, he's he's really tight with um, inside that group and that culture. So his experience is playing into into factor there. He's like, I, my eyes see something that you're not seeing. I see that he struggles with the outside pitch and we need to we need to move him more towards the towards the plate. Now, when it comes to that, that's when I have a huge issue. Is when parents start questioning that and they start getting super involved. 
um, it's 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 growing. You have to you have to let your player grow. You have to let your son um, or daughter grow, and and let the coach coach take care of it. Let let him let him do his job because that is what you are essentially paying for. Well, and again, I I I look at it. I'm with you, 100. Mm-hmm. percent I get that. Um, so be a dad. That's fine. I understand all that. You're going to be pet. You're going to do all this kind of stuff. I just. You know, and I do it, and I've said that. I sit there. T- I did it this last weekend. Mm-hmm. I sat there and watched us do a couple of things, and I'm sitting here going, you know, is anybody going to tell this kid something? And I also understand that typically, and this is where everybody's got to get real, okay? you got to get real real quick here, folks. Typically, your summer program is going to have a coach. There's not going to be a staff. Mm-mm. So he's not going to catch you'll everything. Two, you'll have more than likely, hopefully, if it's a good organization, you have two coaches. You have your head coach, you have your assistant coach, and they'll either have college level or professional level experience. You know, it, some of it is the mindset of the, the director, um, the guy that runs the whole program. Where does he see this portion of what you're doing as part of your development? I think parents think the games are the biggest part of the development. I think most guys would say that is not true. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most guys would say the biggest thing, we, you know, I know like Rick always says the pirates was founded on the fall program. Yeah, that is when big in that, that is when he feels like he makes the most change in a kid's game style um, on the field. And then obviously he's a big believer I think if you asked Rick, it's all part of the pie, like, you know, where does it work? But he believes the fall is important. Then the winter becomes extremely important because that's when you're getting stronger. That's when you're, you know, that's when you are thinking. And then the games, you just go play and try to put together everything you've learned from the fall and the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then you have the challenge of... I'm in the same boat as him, um, but I I really stress the pregame. The hour and 15 before before game time, that's my time. Right, and then when they go when they go on the field, let them play, let them have fun. Let, yeah. let's see what happens. See, I'm a like if it was me, and I and I know that someday when my kids are done, I will get back into coaching, and I'll probably try to coach that age that my son is playing right now, mm-hmm. 15. You, I think that's probably my best. What I what I personally would be best sweet at. spot. That is yes, because I'm a guy like or a freshman baseball coach. I'm a guy that I would love to be charged with. You have them the first year. You're going to teach them how we do it. You're going to teach them why we do what we do. Mm-hmm. That would be that is probably my strong suit. You know what I'm saying? Um, and that's almost the hardest one too. But because, I enjoy it because yeah, because you're going from youth to high school. Yeah. And I don't I don't know if a lot of people know this, but it, the the expectations are completely different. Also, how everything is done is completely different than right. the youth level. You know, like a big thing for me would be. Um, the transition, because here's the deal. Typically when you go from playing youth baseball to whether it be freshman or program high school baseball, the days of 10 kids on your team are over. So your days, I just, you know, we just, Logan for the first time ever, but not first time. I mean, he's sat a couple times in middle school. But realistically, the first time ever, I mean, two weekends in a row, he's went to tournaments and where they played five games and he played three of them. It's happening. There is going to be times where you sit the bench. And I told him, I said, as your dad and as a guy that knows what's going on, I'm going to watch how you act on the games you don't play. 
That's if you think hard. it's screw around, to see, that's part that's of it. That's the hardest part. The hardest part is when a player either converts to just a pitcher only or a positional player, and the, and the second thing is them realizing, why am I not playing? Right. Now, there's a variety of reasons. I mean, sooner or later, you got to – I mean, it's all about whether or not you're good enough. It just is. Right now, in developmental program baseball, I mean, you have to have 15 kids on a roster – if you don't, there's another thing. If you're playing top-level baseball at 16, 15, 17, and you have 10 kids, your coach needs his head examined and needs to f- listen to a few podcasts or, or go talk to a few people about pitching. Okay? Mm-hmm. There, is no way, there is no way you are playing in these tournaments with 10 kids and not doing a disservice to their arms. Okay? The, the, it's bad enough we do it when they're kids, but there is no way a kid should be throwing 98 pitches and then running him out. And, it just shouldn't be happening. And the follow-up, positional players, the same thing. One conversation that I have with a lot of my players and my parents um, heading forward is, oh, Jimmy can play every day. He, he can. You are correct. Yes. He physically can be out there and play. But I know that when you go into 10 games straight, your body feels really bad, and you're not going to be at the top level. Then goes recruiting. So you're you're at your tenth day playing on, and you and say LSU's there, you're not at your top level. Uh oh. Well, not only that, you don't need to do it anymore. It's not the way it's designed. I assure you. Listen, I I promise you, there's a reason why there aren't very many doubleheaders in baseball. Oh, it is I taxing on players. <laughs> okay, it is. Ta- there's a reason why they try not to do it. Mm-hmm. It is taxing on these guys' bodies, and we're talking about how often do they do that. Once a blue moon, we do it to our kids every weekend. And not only doubleheaders, sometimes it's tripleheaders. Which is, I mean, it, I mean, we want them to play a lot. But I yeah, understand. You got, you, as a coach, you have to manage that. That's right. Where and, and, they, and now the program guys in middle school get crucified for managing that. Now, where does, it, now where does the real problem? Well, well, this kid played every game, and my kid did. So, again, I, I get all that. I get all that. And it's never going to be perfect. And, you know, I've had a conversation with some of these guys that I really respect. And, yes, when you get to that level of baseball, if it's a serious level, there is some performance involved in that as well. So, yes, for the first time in your life, I promise you, you when you get to high school baseball, when you get to program baseball in the summer, chances are your performance, your work ethic, your coachability, your attitude, it's all going to come into play into how much you playing time you get. Now, most programs are committed to helping you get better, whether you're a great player or just a good player. So you're going to play. But like I've had this conversation with Rick before about how, how they approach the Pirates. There's no set definition on how much time you're going to play. You're going to get your time. Mm-hmm. But there is no, you play two, you sit one. You play No, 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 no. They're going to do their best to play you as much as they can. But when it comes right down to it, you got to play hard. you got to work hard. you got to be coachable. you got to have a great attitude. And you got to perform a little bit, too, if you want to be one of those kids that plays the majority of the time. And guess what? If you can't handle that, you're in for a world of hurt because it only gets worse from here. I love the player that wants to play every day and is demanding to play every day. I don't like the parent that comes to me and demands his kid to play every day. There's a huge difference. Because then I can manage the player and I say, hey, you need to enjoy this day off. Like, trust me, this day off is going to be gold to you because you're about to go on another stretch of five games, six games, seven games. I can manage that. And when, when, you're, when you talk to the coach about that is that the understanding is, okay, this, this is not youth baseball. 
he can't play every day. We can't do triple headers. If it's a double header and he's off, that's a, that's that's a blessing. That's definitely a blessing. Well, and again, especially I, on the recruiting trail. Well, we have such a um, responsibility to the kids for a variety of reasons, um, be it development, be it um, teaching, knowledge, sharing, life lessons, all that stuff, right? But there's also a little bit of a health thing that you ha- that you're ta- that you are asked to do as a coach at that level. Mm-hmm. You know, not that you want to be that guy, but you also want you know you also want to feel like well they're not going to run my kid in the ground either. Yeah, you know, there's a fine line there. And again, I don't know that there's ever anything perfect to it, but man, it's a part of it, and you better hope that you made a good choice. Now, you know, I know people that, you know, I I happen to know some people that. You know, they, they're more concerned with winning, and they want to be on a team that wins every weekend, and they want to be – and they don't want a bunch of kids there because they, if they're going to drive an hour and a half, they want to see their kid play. You all got to make those decisions for yourselves. You have to. It's fine. I get it. It's no problem at all. But, man, um, there's a lot of life lessons that go into this team thing that, that make a big difference. Um, now, I would say if you're, if, you're, if you're paying for a summer baseball team, I don't think – if if your if your son's sitting ninety um, percent of the time, then I think there's a huge issue there. Um, but when we're talking about days off, like one day off every five games, that's that's a that's what we're talking about. Not the one where oh he sits five and then plays one. That that's that's where it becomes an issue because um, you're dealing with summer baseball, not high school baseball. Well, again, I. Um... You know, I think that a big part of what uh, we talked about last week, something that I would love to get your take on is, you know, you're not oblivious to it. You know there's things that go on in the stands when you're coaching a game. Uh, if, you've, if you've ever coached in any, in any shape, any way, shape, or form, especially if, if, the, if the situations were either tense or high pressure, as a coach, I think you can feel it. Yeah, you know, I think you can. can feel the tension in the stands while you're sitting on your bucket, because I don't think people realize that we're not as dumb as we look when we're coaching. There's a there's a reason why we do the things we do. There's a lot of times we have a plan as a coach and we get punched in the mouth, and then the plan we have to deviate, and then some things that we had set up kind of go awry. So then this looks like we didn't. So there's a variety of reasons for it. Um, some support from the the parents is always appreciated. But you're all, but but I'm a parent now too, and I'm not perfect for sure. And I think the expectations are always a little higher when you're a parent for your own personal experience. But I know one of the things that we talked a little bit about last week was coaching from the stands, which I think is just it's more rampant than people think. And and again, I'm going to well, say it like I've said about a lot of things. I think we think we're helping because I I wanted to do it last week, I, and and I did do it, and I'm mad at myself for doing it. But I felt like nobody's going to tell this kid, so I kind of like gave him the hey, you, you got to come in, you know, because yeah. nobody was addressing the fact that they kept bunning on our third baseman, mm-hmm. and the, the the kid would drop his hands on the barrel, and the kid wouldn't come in until he actually bunted the ball. And I wanted to say, when you see the hands, you got to come, you have to commit as soon as you see him drop the hand on the barrel. Well, that's that's <clears> hard. <throat> that's harder for you because I mean, you were a coach, you right. were like, you're but a I top also end, and you're thinking about coaching that, again, that's so right. that's a huge. But I can. But I understand. There's one guy there. He's dealing with five other things. This guy's not a dummy. He knows that. He's probably. You know. I, I get it. But I just. It happened. I just finally lost my lid and said something. But I'm sitting here going, 
poor example. Here you are telling people you can't do that, and you just did it. And your excuse is, well, I mean, I, I just, I, I gave it its time. It, no, I was wrong. I shouldn't have said anything. You know, it. it the bottom line is, you got to trust him to do it. My, I guess where I'm going with this is, um, you know, my guess is Rick would have said, hey, don't do that. Okay, I, I get what you're doing, but don't do that. Mm-hmm. You as a program director, okay, what's your Give me your thoughts on it, number one. And then number two, how do you deal with it? I absolutely love when players talk to parents and um, their family before and after the game when they're on the field because that's something that I was always afraid of doing because I thought I was going to get yelled at um, because one of my coaches did yell at one of our players for doing that. Um, I'm a big guy on family and friends, and I think that's a conversation that happens before and after the game. So if there's a downtime, you can definitely talk to um, family and friends. But when it's game time and you are in your element, um, my biggest pet peeve, and I've talked to my assistant coach about this, um, and we had an issue um, last last week. Uh, parents were talking to the players on deck. Um, there's no reason to, for them to talk to them on deck because we have given them an approach before the game and said, this is how we are attacking this pitcher. This is what he's going to do. This is how it's going to happen. And then we always talk to our hitters in between innings. Well, when a parent goes up and starts talking to him, he has just eliminated his thought process and took him away from that pitcher. So when it comes to game time, I, I think I think it's to a point to where um, parents just need to stay back and just enjoy the, enjoy the game. I know how hard that is. Um, I don't have a, I don't have a kid yet. I don't, I don't have a son or daughter. So I don't know what that feeling is like where you're just sitting in the stands and just waiting, waiting by the bayside and just kind of enjoying the day. But it's something that has to happen because when you get to college, I talked to my players about this the other day. I said, do you think when you, when, if you're on team USA at 16, U or team USA at 18, U or when you go to college, do you think that your mom and dad are going to come and give you a Gatorade at the gut at the dugout? Do you think that they're going to go up on deck and say, hey, um, this is what that pitcher's throwing? N- no, it, it, it's not going to happen. You don't see Yadier Molina's mom come down from the stands and, and talk to him while he's on deck. Well, I, I will say this. I, I know Yadier's mom, and she would absolutely like to come down and talk to him while he's on deck and give him a piece, give him a piece of her mind occasionally if she doesn't <laughs> think he's doing well. I, I laugh about that. Um, but... Um, Benji will think that's funny too because it's funny. But you don't how see on episodes. I know. I'm joking. Like, I'm joking. <laughs> but no, she would like to. I guarantee oh, I it. Guarantee it yeah. um, no, you know, again, I can't tell you the number of times I've seen people do that already, and the looks they get when they come back from the dugout, and they know it. And I've heard them say, "Nobody's going to tell me I can't go get my kid a Gatorade." It's almost like it's, they've already got their defense up. And then it goes back to the He's recruit. thirsty. But okay, yeah. recruiting. He's thirsty. What, what happens if <laughs> Sam Houston State or Missouri State is in the stands and they see you give give your son a Gatorade? What's what, what are they going to think? Well, I, I, I'll tell you I, right now what they think. Well, I know what they think. Two two weeks ago, Logan had practice, and I don't think he thought about how hot it was going to be. It was in the middle of the day. It was the first day. It got really really hot. Last it was like last week. And um, he went through a three-hour practice with our friend Brett Huber, who, if you know anything about Brett, he runs an intense practice, Mm -hmm. and they work hard, okay? And uh, no water. And I mean, and I had to help hit fungos that day, and when I got done hitting my fungos, I thought I was going to pass out. That's how warm it was on the turf. Mm -hmm. I drove up to Quick Trip, and I got myself the biggest bottle of water you've ever seen, and I got Logan one. 
because I knew he didn't have one. And I drove back in my air-conditioned car and got myself to where I actually felt decent. I mean, I felt miserable. Mm-hmm. That tells you how out of shape I am hitting my fungo. It was rapid-fire fungo. I hadn't done that in a while. And let me tell you, I was out of breath, and I was beat. So I come back, and I've got my big thing of water, my, you know, my nice, big, cool water, and I've got another one for him. And I come back, and I sat down, and I started to take it down there, and I didn't do it. And somebody goes, what are you doing? And I said, well, I got, they go, you going to take it to him? And I said, you know, I was going to, but I'm not. And they said, it's like 100 degrees out here. And I go, and he was obviously, you could tell he was dragging ass. And I said, you know what? Here's the deal. Is today going to suck? Yes, it is. But I promise you, as I sit here today, he will think about whether or not he takes his own shit with him going forward. Responsibility. Yeah. And I promise you, since that time, he has always made sure he had stuff with him. Sooner or later, we got to let our little babies struggle a little bit and hope they learn from their own issues. If they don't, I say this all the time, if, if, if you don't care enough, well, then, 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 then who cares? If the player doesn't care enough, then who cares? That's what I always say. Mm. People, why are you so concerned if he's not as a parent? Now, I understand that what your role is and you're trying to push your kid in the right direction, but are we? Maybe they just don't want that as bad as you may want it for them. Now, again, I don't, I don't have any problem with putting your kid in a position to grow, um, to succeed, all this kind of stuff. But you got to ask yourself, you know, who's doing all this, me or them, at the end of the day? Now, they need our help, especially until they're older, mm-hmm. right? I mean, my, obviously my kid can't. But it was interesting. That, that, that particular practice was the first one Brett was at. We had some kids show up late. Oh, boy. Okay. First kid that showed up was literally 30 seconds late, and Brett stopped him on the way and said, why are you late? And the kid is a young kid, 15. Probably has never had anybody asking that before. And he looked, and I know the kid because he's from Edwardsville. He's a friend of Logan's. And the kid looked at Brett and looked at me, and I, with the eyes, I gave him the don't look at me, answer him. And this kid, to his credit, looked right at him and said, now, mind you, this was a 12 o'clock practice, mm-hmm. okay, noon practice. This kid said, I woke up late. And I'm sitting here going, you woke up late. It's 12. Okay, it's 12. <laughs> but, but my point is, okay, it's 12. He had to get up. He had to get ready. It's an hour. It's a 45-minute drive, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But the, you know what else I'm sitting there thinking? Here I am out here because I'm going to hit the fungus. That's the only reason I'm out there. I'm not a coach on this, but I, I volunteered to help because they needed help. Not volunteer. They asked me, and I said I would. Um, but I'm sitting here going, you're 15. I mean, your dad had to bring you over. You probably had to take, you know, getting over there during the day is not the easiest thing if you work, blah, blah, blah. But I'm sitting here. And he turned around, and he told him this, and, the, and Brett looks at him and says, I appreciate your honesty, but it doesn't change the fact that if you're late, if you're not early, you're late. Now go get ready. And he literally was 30 seconds late. Now, mind you, five more kids walked through. Some of them have been with Brett for three years. And he told them all, you all know better. And they all apologized because they do know better. But what I thought was interesting was he asked the one kid after he walked away from him, how far of a drive is it for you over here? And, I, and the kid kind of looked at me again like, uh, I, don't, I don't even pay attention. I go, he lives in Edwardsville with, with, with us. He's, he's a 45-minute guy. And I think the kid thought that, and then he was going to go, okay, no. You know, and instead he goes, tell your mom and dad you probably need to leave about an hour and 15 minutes to make sure you're here on time. See, now, a parent, I guarantee you, sometimes would say, that's not my kid's fault. Don't yell at him. 
what the what Brett is doing there is he is instilling in the kid how important it is to be not only on time but early if you want to show how much you care about this. Mm-hmm. That's what he's doing. Nobody put your kid up on a cross, okay? Nobody, nobody's scarred your kid for life. But I guarantee you, what's going to happen the next time they have one of those day practices, and 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 this kid's talking to his dad. You know what this kid's going to say to his dad? Can we make sure we leave a little earlier? I don't want to be late. I guarantee you that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And if you want to take the stance of, hey, I'll deal with that coach. Okay, he's not going to, you know, I got to work. Mm-hmm. Well, then you need to have an adult conversation with the coach. Yep. Well, It'll the, be okay. It's the same thing with the 16-year-olds. Um, I, I remember one year one of the parents um, said, hey, um, he, I don't want them to rush to practice. I don't want them to speed. I was like, I don't want them either, too. I'm I'm all about that. He needs to leave earlier. Right. He has to. He's got responsibility. He's got a car. You've given him a car, a Ford, Porsche, whatever it is. Yeah. Make sure you're on time. Just That's leave right. earlier. That's right. That's right. If you want to camp out at the field, camp out at the field. Well, and again, this is just an example, I think, of the things that we were talking about. When you entrust somebody to coach your kid. Maybe think about the things they're trying to do versus what you think is really going on. And again, this is just an example. And all the stuff that we talked about here is just all in an effort to provide you guys with a little bit of information from not not necessarily our successes. It's really, to be honest, all the things that I like to talk about and the reason I knew Spiker would be a good fit for this, a lot of it comes from our failures. You know, hey, it's, you know, that whole do as I do, do as I say, not as I did. Well, yeah, that's a big part of it. And it should be for everybody. Mm-hmm. But the reality of it is it is about learning from your, you know, the things that you fail at because, you know, there's a lot of failure in baseball. And we, and we know it's what, not just on the field. Yeah. And from the failures, like what happens if we do let that kid go on that time that's frame? Right. I mean, if you do, then the, the right. team, uh, the whole team sees that. Next thing you know, the team's showing up 30 minutes before game time, and you're trying to rush right. to get pregame done. Well, it, it was a it was a neat scene because, you know, Brett got the whole team together once everybody was there and addressed it, and I That's guarantee awesome. I doubt very much. Without a text message and a good reason, I don't know that anybody would be late again. So yeah. it was good stuff. Uh, it's time now to hit our contributors that are a big part of this program each and every week. I want to remind everybody that the show is brought to you by theropetrainer.com. Our good friends Earl Perrin, John Smoltz, and Chris Verno will let you know. As John says, everyone should have one from big leaguers to little leaguers. Uh, really enjoy having them as a part of the show. Um, they're a big part of trying to fix this arm epidemic that's going on. Uh, I had told Earl, I said, Earl, i got to be honest with you. i got a lot of people asking me about this, and I don't feel smart enough to lead them in the right direction. He said, well, what do you want to do? I said, why not do a little segment each week uh, where you guys come on and tell people how to use it, what to use it for. I'm sure you guys are coming up with new stuff every day and the best ways to use it. So now we bring you the Rope Report as brought to you each week by, of course, the good people at theropetrainer.com, done by Kurt McNabb and everybody over at Dirtbag Baseball Nation. They're just a quality group, and Kirk is a quality guy that does nothing but want to help uh, all the listeners understand what the Rope Trainer is, how to use it, and what to use it for. So let's go to my man Kurt McNabb now and hear this week's Rope Report. Great show, Jim, and I can't believe another week has gone by so fast. I want to welcome all our loyal listeners, as well as anyone who is turning in for the first time to this week's episode of The Rope Report, brought to you by the arm care specialist, the rope trainer, and myself, Kirk McNabb of Dirtbag Baseball Nation. I promise that it will always be my mission, my goal, my philosophy, and my desire to educate you on learning how to stretch, warm up your core body, 
and throw properly as a player as well as a pitcher by using your entire body and not just your arm. That leads me into this week's episode in regards to summer camps and clinics that will be in full swing. I want to let all you coaches and training facilities know that the rope trainer can be a huge added value to your summer camps and clinics, whether you are involved in baseball or softball. Here's just an example of some of the ways your campers will benefit from having the rope trainer as part of your camps and clinics this summer. One, your campers will be able to use the rope anywhere, anytime, outdoors or indoors, if you have that bad weather or what we call inclement weather. Two, they will be able to warm up and get in reps without actually throwing a baseball, therefore limiting undue stress on their arm. Let's be honest, we all know by the end of the week we've had those campers that have been just hanging, and let's try to prevent that. Three, they don't need an actual throwing partner to warm up with. Four, campers will get reinforcement on proper throwing mechanics like grip, balance, extension, and follow-through. We want them to learn how to use their entire body when throwing and not just their arm. Okay, what's the benefits that you get as coaches? Well, here's the list. You'll have a far better advantage to instruct and assess whether your campers are throwing correctly or not. Two, you'll save time and your campers will be safer by not having balls flying all over the place from errant throws. Three, We presently are offering bulk wholesale rates for all coaches running summer camps and clinics. Four, you can sell the rope trainer to parents during your camps in order to raise much-needed budget money for the team. Five, you'll be using the best throwing training tool available as part of your camp. Now, here's how you can get the rope trainer to be a part of your camps and clinics this summer. Email. Todd Belanger at tbelanger at perfectpitchandthrow.com or contact them at www.theropetrainer.com and be sure and tell them you got sent to them from the rope report. You heard all about their summer camp deal and you want to find out more details about it or feel free to contact me personally at 519-836-6369 or 226-821-2402. I've also included a brochure with this week's episode, so be sure to look it over and share it with everyone you know who is running camps this summer. I'm Kirk McNabb of Dirtbag Baseball Nation, and if you have any questions in regards to anything throwing or rope rope trainer related, please contact me at kirkmcnabb29 at gmail.com. Again, that's kirkmcnab29 at gmail.com. You can also stay up to date with us on Facebook and Instagram at Dirtbag Baseball Nation. Remember, if you want to be a dirtbag or a part of the rope revolution, you got to get out there and hit that field and get dirty. Thank you, Kirk. Really appreciate it. Um, you know, your passion for, for trying to help people understand this wonderful uh, item and what it's used for is second to none. I know the people over at the Rope Trainer really appreciate it. And again, I highly encourage everybody, make sure you check out the ropetrainer.com. Google my man, Kirk McNabb, with his Dirtbag Baseball Nation. I think you'll find that energetic group, and they're doing a lot of great things within the game of baseball. 
Now it's time to go over to another guy that we all know is always doing great things within the game of baseball, and that's Justin Stone in his EliteBaseball.tv training tip Thanks, of the week. Jim. Take Justin it away, Justin. Stone here with EliteBaseball.tv coming to you with a tip of the week. And this week on social media, I mentioned a post about Mark Burley. Mark Burley was being honored by the White Sox. They're retiring his number after a stellar career. And Mark is somebody I've had a, a long history with of knowing some of his coaches, knowing his upbringing, and, of course, working for the White Sox and having some interaction with him during his playing career. First, I knew Mark Burley's high school coaches, and one of the things that I always used to razz him about is Mark Burley, although his number retired after a stellar big league career, was actually cut from his high school team. And I mentioned that on social media because I said oftentimes kids get labeled as a young age or they get discouraged because somebody tells them what they cannot do, what they can't succeed at. And when you tell a young, impressionable young player that, Oftentimes, they're simply going to believe it. So what I want to talk about today is making your own rules, perseverance, and how we can succeed in the game despite not having the very best athleticism, the strongest person on your team, the biggest person on your team, but controlling what you can control. Yeah, I said that. Mark Burley was actually cut from his high school team as a young athlete. He was undersized, didn't throw very hard. He went to Francis Howell North High School in St. Louis, which is a very big high school. Easy to go overlooked when you go out to a, a tryout for freshmen or sophomores where you may have 100 kids trying out for the team. As he grew older, he's still in his junior and senior year, somewhat undersized, but beginning to hit a growth spurt as he made his high school team and went to a junior college. The junior college he went to in the St. Louis area, I actually got to saw Mark pitch when I was a Division I coach at Indiana State University. I was recruiting another player on the opposing team. At this point, Mark was throwing 90-91, was a good left-handed pitcher, was going to be a good college arm. He had signed at Missouri State to continue his four-year education, and the White Sox drafted him late. But he just kept getting better and better and went through the White Sox farm system very quickly and ended up in the big leagues in just a year and a half. After that, of course, he took off, and the rest is history. The White Sox won a World Series, and I mentioned he just got his number retired this past week. But it would have been very easy for Mark Burley to give up on the game, like so many young players do when they first hit that obstacle of not being good enough to make a certain team or just believing that one person that says, you can't, you're not good enough, you're not strong enough, or you're not big enough. And that happens so often in our game today as we get labeled at a very young age. So my point today is we're going to control what we can control. I can relate to that as well. Of course, I'm not as, as good of an athlete as Mark Burley, nor did I play in the big leagues, but I have a similar story of being a five foot two, 98-pound high school kid at my freshman physical that really, really loved the game of baseball. And although I wasn't the biggest or strongest player on my team, the thing I could control was how often or how hard I worked on my fundamentals. My mom would always tell me, your body's going to change one day, and at that point, things will be different. And that can be frustrating for a young athlete waiting for Mother Nature to take its course, and sometimes that just takes a long time. And for me, it was my junior or senior year before I really hit my growth spurt. And I started high school at 5'2", and I finished high school at 6'2". And by then, things had changed. Scouts began to take notice. Because the one thing I could control when I was undersized is how hard I worked, how hard I played, and how often I worked on my fundamentals. So now that my body had changed, and I'm sure Mark's story is very, very similar, once the body changes, you have the acumen, you have the pedigree of the fundamentals that you had to use just to compete against bigger and stronger kids, and now you're ahead of everybody else. 
So this is the point I want to make for young athletes. Bodies change throughout the spectrum of, that, uh, of anything we do in sports, whether it's baseball, football, soccer. But the things that we can control is the attitude we bring to the park every day, how hard we work in the game we love, and not let anybody else discourage us from that love of the sport that you have because they tell you you can't do something. Perseverance is the key to life. It's the key to any sport. And, of course, in baseball where it's built around failure, you have to deal with it quite a bit. So let's, let's accentuate the things we feel like we do well and we can control and let the naysayers be to the side and be naysayers. Until next week, this is Justin Stone with the EliteBaseball.tv Tip of the Week, and we'll see you on the field. Great stuff, as always, from my man Justin Stone and his EliteBaseball.tv Training Tip of the Week. Now it's time to take it on over to our good friend Rick Strickland with his Ask Rick segment. I'm really enjoying this as Rick tackles a lot of the questions that we all have, and uh, a lot of times they pertain to exactly what we're talking about on the show. It's brought to you by St. Louis Pirates Nation and, of course, his friends at Blast Motion. Rick, take it away. Hey, Jim. Good morning. Glad to be back on the show again this week answering questions from the wonderful audience about all things youth baseball and you know how we can give information out to them that may help them prove it. But this week's question was a very interesting question because it's one that, you know, in uh, youth baseball, we address, you know, consistently, you know, almost to a point that you address it every day. Um, and uh, uh, got to the point that, you know, one of the most popular documents out there is a document, uh, a letter that, Coach Mike Matheny of the St. Louis Cardinals wrote called the Manifesto, Parent Manifesto. And uh, the question this week was, Coach, your thoughts on Mike Matheny's manifesto and the premise that we should basically leave our kids alone when they get to the field. You know, I talk about that every day in our club program and, you know, how to handle things and, you know, time frames and things of that nature. But I think the competitive nature of, of the parents and just from the standpoint as parents, we'd like to make sure that our kids are are always in this situation, put them in the best situation for success. That's not how sports works. I mean, sports works uh, basically uh, from a standpoint that you put kids in that environment for social activities, but also an opportunity for them to compete and make themselves the best player that they ha- they can make. You know, I uh, talk to parents all the time about the uh, problematic situation that if we have to be addressed by a parent, because of a plane situation or lack thereof, a plane situation, really and truly, that's all you. Um, that's all you need to know. That the parent has to come to you to advocate for their son uh, or daughters to be in in the lineup. Um, you very rarely have I seen. I'm sure it happens uh, in the communities, uh, sports communities all over the country, uh, but but very ra- rarely do you see a coach who puts a kid on a team that really has a personal vendetta uh, and wants to hurt uh, somebody else's child. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, uh, but rarely do you see a situation there. Usually what you see, especially in in parent coach teams, is you see a parent that is acting just like the parent who complains, and that is they put their child uh, in a situation that they view uh, is going to get a chance for kids to promote their kid and put them in a better situation for success. And that's not necessarily right, but it's the right of the uh, coach if he's taking his volunteer volunteering his time to build a team around his his kid. Uh, you should expect some of that to play. The problem with everybody wants a professional paid coach at the youth levels, and that's extremely expensive 
uh, and probably not at a, not to the point that you're going to pay people to do that, and they're going to make a substantial living at doing that. Heck, even in the professional mar market, you know, coaches don't get paid all that well. So you can imagine that really the clear path and the gateway for coaching is to have these volunteer coaches to go out there and do do it. And they take a lot of time and resources away from their families trying to put these things together. So hopefully parents will have respect for that when they are trudging above it. But at the end of the day, these parents that complain they want their kids to be successful, there's usually a common thing amongst those athletes. Uh, and those athletes have the dogged determination to make themselves better, regardless of parent intervention uh, at this point. So when I, I see these athletes all the way up from, from youth sports all the way into the professional and college frame, they share common quality. And that is they are extremely passionate about what it is that they do, and they want to be successful and good at it. Rarely do we see a kid who doesn't show up to practice, doesn't put in extra work, but parents are always complaining about playing time and where they play on the field and from a baseball or fast pitch perspective where they hit in the lineup. Very rarely do you find that those kids turn out to be extremely successful at the sport. My history has shown me is that the kids who are really engaged and really want to be good with, with the sport really don't need a whole lot of parent engagement with the coach at this point in time. So from my perspective is, you know, you raise your child to get after as hard as you can. Uh, hopefully you can uh, uh, instill in that kid uh, that there's a passion to be good and great at the sport. When you do that, then you, you're going to have a situation where you can sit in the bleachers and just watch your, your athletes perform. And also you have to come to real truths with this, and that is sometimes, you know, for most of us, that we're not going to play professional sports. Uh, we may not even play collegiate sports. Uh, it is an opportunity to go out there and enjoy yourself and compete. And that's one of the things that get lost a lot of times. You know, kids are not competing. They're being handed things and handed opportunities. That's the broken model that we have right now. It's like baseball, which I'm a part of, is that you don't make kids compete for spots you actually handed. So there is a, a um, uh, situation where kids expect to play uh, instead of earning their rights to play. Uh, and that's the problem. And when those kids have those expectations, so do the parents. So I think from my perspective, I think you should expect the kid to go out and work his tail off. Uh, and if he does all those things like that in youth sports, I know that there are a lot of good coaches out there that do reward kids for, for their efforts and being able to get out there on the field. And from a parent's perspective, we do have to come to the real truth that, that we have to also be honest with our, our kids. And I tell my daughter, you know, wherever you hit in the lineup, that's, that's, that's kind of where you hit. If you want to bat first, I'm, I'm for that. But you're going to have to get in the cage and put in the work to make yourself a better player. If you don't want to do that, don't expect the handouts from, from your coach. Uh, and don't expect me to sit behind the dugout yelling and screaming at your coach for playing time. I'm just not going to do that. And I tell my daughter all, all the time like that. I love Joe Madden's term, you know, try, to, try not to suck today, which I use with my, my kid all the time. You know, be good, uh, be passionate about what you do, and always strive to get better. And if you do that, then good things will come to you on the baseball and fast pitch side. And that's what I tell my kid. Uh, but, you know, I, I can I'll end this by saying this, Jim. I remember I was watching my, young, my youngest daughter play soccer. And of course, I don't know much about the sport. I decided I wanted to be a parent and yell something. And this child stopped in the middle of the game and looked at me and said, Dad, shut up. 
right? You know nothing about soccer. And the parents to my left and right were cracking up laughing. And I think that's the last time I've ever spoken uh, loud at a at a competition for my kids. So something I, I'm really, really passionate, you know, figure it out. And if it's not the right thing for you, when it's all said and done, we'll pack up and we'll move to something else. And we'll find something that you're passionate about. So that's what I say. Just, you know, parents, do they need to stay out of it? They need to be supportive if they possibly can. Uh, more than anything, they're going to give uh, 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 benefit to their kid if they're really pushing that kid to, to be the best that they can possibly be. And, and they got to let them fail. And when they fail, they got to be encouraging to get themselves, help these kids pick themselves off the ground but, and then move on from there. But, so I don't have a lot of sympathy. A lot of times when kids don't get an opportunity to play, usually, usually it's because the kids haven't paid the price to be as good as they can. So I, I can talk about that subject forever. Uh, because every day we're faced in our in our business uh, different variations of questions or uh, parents that, that mingle or, or want to be involved in this process so much. But you know, a lot of times when you're at the level that we are, you're all also coaching kids and you also train parents as well. And that's kind of been our philosophy. When you have really good athletes, you also have to train the parents to be parents of a really good athlete for the most part. That's it this, this week, Jim. I can't wait for next week's question. Thanks again for having me on the show. Look forward to talking to you soon. If uh, any of you guys have additional questions, you can reach out to us through trainrsb.com. Uh, you know that we run the St. Louis Pirates uh, program. It's the tryout time again. You can find the tryout form at stlouispirates.org if you're interested in, uh, in from 14U to 17U baseball here in the St. Louis area. Thanks again, Jim. Talk to you next week. Really good stuff, my man. And again, your contributions to the show every week are so so appreciated. And of course, your contributions to uh, to all the kids, and especially in the area, are second to none. So thank you very much. We really do appreciate it, uh, Spiker. Great stuff. Really appreciate uh, your take. As, as as again, you bring a, a, a when we start talking about what's going on with parents, and and you know, again, I say it all the time. I don't believe anybody believes for one second or thinks for one second that. You're not trying to help. I think we understand. I think a guy worth his salt like Spiker probably goes into every conversation he's ever had, and he can say yes or no right now, but he's probably had a lot of unpleasant conversations with parents, but I guarantee you he's probably went into it going, look, I understand that you think you're helping. Let me tell you why you're not. Yeah, very, very uncomfortable uh, conversations. Also very good conversations. Um, I remember uh, uh, one year, I always I always like to have meetings um, if parent a parent or a player ever wants a meeting, I, I always take it. No questions asked. Um, I'll drop everything um, right right then and there just to have that conversation to make sure that um, everyone's on the same page and they, they, if they have a strong feeling about something that they dislike or have a – hopefully – I never hear this. Uh, I like the way that you do this. <laughs> I never get that conversation, but I always get the other ones. Um but I, I give him an honest assessment. I don't, I don't sugarcoat it. Um, one guy, and I always talk about him, I feel like I, I exhaust him at times, um, Coach Keith Gutton. One thing that I, I always appreciated about him is I remember I'd go into his office and I'd say, hey, this is how I'm feeling. And he's like, okay, this is how I feel, and this is how it is. <laughs> so, and he, he, he really breaks it down and, and was truly honest with me, and I, and I always respect it. Sometimes I didn't like it, but um, – I understood where he stood. Well, um, again, guys like you with your experience and your knowledge and your willingness to learn and get better are what we need in this game. I think there so many great stories within there. It seems like we're always harping on the, the bad scenarios, but at the end of the day, um, the good's always going to outweigh the bad, in my opinion. And it, the bad is an opportunity for us to get better, and that's what we're trying to do here. 
Make sure you check us out at youthbaseballtalk.com. It's where you'll find the current show. It's also where you'll find the, the past shows. We'd ask you to click subscribe to the podcast. We're also asking you to follow us on our social media sites, at Podcast Baseball is where you'll find us on Twitter. Hit the old uh, search bar in Facebook and type in Youth Baseball Talk. You'll find us there as well. Like us, follow us, share our stuff in an effort to reach all the great people out there. If you have something you want to let us know, contact us through those sites uh, or, or, or those social media platforms or simply email us, info at youthbaseballtalk.com. Love to hear from you. Love the conversation. Some of the best conversations I've had through this show started with somebody email, emailing me and saying, Jim, love the show, or Jim, hate the show, doesn't matter. Completely disagree with you on this, and here's why. We have to have a conversation. If I'm wrong about something, which I am, I, it, of course I am, and Spiker's wrong, I'm wrong, guys are wrong, there's only one way to get better and learn, and that's to have a conversation. And, you know, the, that, that old song, things that make you go, hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what conversation is. It should be things that make you go, hmm. And that's where a lot of the great things from this show come from. As Spiker said, that's why he loves this time of year. What typically comes from this time of year? Great conversations about the game of baseball. Yep. And guys, if you want to, if you want to tag us um, and really direct your question, um, you can also include my handle into it, um, and we we can have a conversation because we want to have those. Um, if you want to direct it more towards me um, or Jim, just contact and say, "Hey, Jim," or "Hey, Spike," and um, we'll answer that because um, I'll I, I love getting on Twitter and just having the conversation back and forth. Really appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening to us each week here at Youth Baseball Talk. Special thanks again to lineupmedia.fm, all the great people here, producer Andrew, producer Brian, for all their work. For for Spiker Helms, this is Jim Cromer, and we will see you guys on the field. Tune in next week for another edition of Youth Baseball Talk. Subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to the show. Find us online at youthbaseballtalk.com, facebook.com slash youthbaseballtalk, or on Twitter at podcastbaseball. Plus, check out all of our podcasts at lineupmedia.fm. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.